If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. This is another of our popular listeners' choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the listeners' choice winner. If you're not sure how the listeners' choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's guest on Horse Chats is Carol Hobson. Carol's a thinker and she's seen a lot of changes within the equestrian industry. She's had a background in show jumping, eventing and dressage. She's ridden at the Masters Games in show jumping. And because she's a thinker, yeah, she's probably got a little bit of a different idea that she's not particularly worried about competition. She's more worried about training, correct training for the horse and the rider with a background from Nuno Oliveira as well. How are you, Carol? Oh, I'm really well, thank you. That's good. Now, Carol, you know that I'm going to ask your favourite quote to start with. So would you like to tell it to us? My favourite quote is, the time that you think you know everything is the time you start to go backward. Yes. Okay, now that particular quote, has that influenced you at all? Has there been a time where you thought you might have known everything and then realised that you really don't know everything? How has it influenced you or has it influenced you as a coach where you've got to teach people around you? I think if I was lucky enough to have those that quote um, said to me when I was very young as a, as a teenager and in my early 20s, and because I am a thinker, always thought, uh, yes, along those lines. So in that way, I'm probably fairly lucky. And I have repeated, you know, that comment to quite a few people. I'm not sure that everybody agrees with me, <laughs> especially these days, because everybody's in so much of a hurry. They don't take time to think. Yes, yes. Carol, think about one of your first memories with horses or something where you've learned something, you know, the first time you learned something about horses. I guess one of the first things was I brought up in Victoria. And, um, I learned basically chasing cows and, and getting stock in for the local um, abattoirs at, at Carrum, which of course is, is now, you know, on a highway. But there was, there was a chap that was working there and he'd come from Portugal. Um, I can't even remember his name, but he did so much dressage with his horses, even chasing cows. And this was in the days before we saw... Um, Aintree Bawley under lights with Owen Matthews at Melbourne, at Melbourne Royals. Yes. Well before then. And what he did with his horse, his buckskin horse, I can remember it, you know, like it was yesterday. I can't remember his name. Mm. I remember the work that he did with the horse and it was so different to anything that we'd ever seen. Um, you know, we used to whip train our horses and, you know, lunging didn't exist. So it was very, very different. But that stuck in my mind you know, from a very, very early age. Yes. And I think then when dress came on, I sort of thought, oh, this is just what that guy was doing <laughs> from Portugal. 
Yes. And then, of course, later on, I ended up going to Nuno. Whether that was, you know, in the back of more not my mind or, or not, I'm not really sure, but mm-hmm. I do like the Southern European system. Yep, yep. Now, the guy, had he trained with Nuno? Had he ever said, did you ever ask him where he learned everything from? No, I didn't. I was only sort of, you know, 14 or 15, yeah. and um, I would have been too shy to, to talk to this, this chap. He would have been, I guess, in his late 20s or early 30s, and... In those days, it was very rare to have somebody from another country, let alone, you know, somebody like Portugal or Spain. And he was yes. the odd person out. Uh-huh. So, you know, we all sort of watched him. And, you know, for me, I thought it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's a very good memory to have. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about you as a coach? You've gone on, you've done quite a lot. You've been in Pony Club all of your life. You've sort of had been coaching a long time as well. What made you have a career with this? What sort of started that off? Um, gee, I'm not really sure. It's, I've always done pony club and I've been really interested um, and always thought that we need continuity. Yes. Um, and to have continuity, we, we have to have people that are, are willing to start our little kids off in the right way, mm-hmm. um, steer them in the right direction. I mean, you know, they might go to pony club till they're 17 or 18 or these days even 25 but at least if we can give them a really good basis, um, and of course, Pony Club is safety orientated, if they can go anywhere in the world, you know, once they've learned, you know, the correct basics, and they can they can grow from there. They can go racing, they can go dressaging, they can go eventing, you know, they can do whatever they like. But Pony Club gives them a very, very good staff, mm-hmm. and I think it would be an awful shame if Pony Club did not exist. Oh, definitely, definitely. Certainly gives a lot of people just the miles that they need too. You know, it's not just about going out and riding or just a little bit, but, you know, to be able to go out and spend all day with your horse and with your friends and and do all that riding. Yeah, and and I think sometimes people forget children learn from children. You know, at school it's not one-on-one. They're in in a class situation. Yes. And the same at Pony Club. You know, lots of kids, you know, come to Pony Club originally because, you know, Mary Jane has got a little Shetland pony and, gee, I'd like to be going to Pony Mm. Club as well. Yes. So, you know, they end up by wanting to be the same as their their mates. Yes. Um, And it sort of, you know, it grows from there. And even to this day, my closest friends still are the ones that I went to Pony Club with at Chelsea Pony Club at Macclesfield Pony Club Mm. in Victoria, my goodness me, all those million years ago. Yes. Some of them... Um, have not, are not have not stayed involved with horses, but a lot of them have. Yes. And, you know, we might not talk for six months or, or 12 months, and I can pick up the phone and the conversation just goes on as if it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, what do you think if someone's going to go on, and even at Pony Club, and if they say, I want to work with horses, what sort of skills would you be looking for them to have? You know, character traits, core skills, so that you know that they're going to have a good career, you know, that they could do well within the horse industry. Well, it's such an industry these days, and, and, you know, we know that the, even the gear that we use now is different, the horses that we use are different. Um, yes. You know, when I was at Pony Club, you know, I rode one horse and bed the other one 12 mm. miles on the road yep. just to get to Pony Club. Yep. Whereas today, you know, we're purpose reading. Um, it's a completely different situation. But, you know, I think that they've got to really want to do it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not be pushed by their parents or because they think, it, you know, it might look fantastic. So, you know, they've got to, to be really hungry to do it. It's a bit of a difficult one. 
you know, usually you can tell sort of fairly early on if they're keen. Um, I just have to look at the expressions on some of the faces of the riders when I'm teaching them, just to see how really keen they are. Yep. We get a lot of riders that just, you know, they come in and they ride for four or five years and we don't see them again. Uh-huh. And, you know, you get the odd one and you think, oh, gee, this one's going to continue on. Yes. And I try and make myself available for my, my students 24-7. Mm-hmm. They know if there's a problem, they can pick up the phone. You know, the horse may have colic, it might have got caught in the fence. They know that I'm available to them 24-7. And I think, I think that's fairly important because then I can answer any question mm-hmm. for them and hopefully steer them in the direction that they wish to go. Yes. But, of course, it's their choice. You know, we, we get some riders that, that, you know, are really dead keen on jumping. We've got others that, that want to dressage. And until we're ready to make that decision themselves, all we can do is, is just give them a broad range of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a coach, you know, depending, of course, on the horse and their situation, then we can maybe steer them in the direction that we think, they might like to go, but, they, but they've got to make that decision themselves. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Now, if they do take that choice to work in the horse industry, what do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry? Oh, my goodness. My, my heart calls it a disease, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I've had since I was about eight years old. Yes. You know, there's just, well, to me, because I love horses in any shape, size or form, mm. I guess for me it's just just working with the animal. You know, I, I like dogs as well, but I love the horses more. Yep. And I think you've got to love it. You know, you've got to really, really, really love it. You know, um, I'm in my mid-60s and I've still got four horses out of the paddock and I love them all to death. Um, you know, I mean, why am I going over to China teaching young children to enjoy the horse industry? Because I love it myself. And yes. I guess you've got to take on the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky that we have land, so I only have to walk out the door and, and the horses are here. But there's nothing nicer than driving in the driveway and, you know, horse starts neighing and they say, oh, good, mum's home. Yes. Fantastic. Yes, it is lovely. So, yeah. you know, I guess I just love it. So, and that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you've talked about Nuno influencing you. Do you think he's the one that's influenced you the most or has there been other people along the way who've influenced you and you know, kept you going, not just kept you going. I mean, if you've, you've always had that love, but just kept you on the straight and narrow maybe. I don't know. You know, who else has influenced you? Well, I'm, I'm very lucky. Uh, I've had some very good coaches over the years, and I think the first one that influenced me the most was most definitely Murray Wheatley, mm-hmm. um, who had a, a lovely big grey horse called um, Snowy River. It was an eventer, and he was my coach at Pony Club. And my word, he straightened us out. And he also made us realise realize how important dressage was. Yep. I loved eventing. I wanted to be an all-round rider. I wanted to be able to do dressage and show jumping and eventing. So, you know, to me, eventing was, was the, the, full, the full package, you know, to be able yep. to do a bit of everything. Yep. May not necessarily be, you know, a master of, of one, but jack of all trades. But, but Murray was very, very, very influential my teenage years, he was absolutely marvellous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess he sort of instilled, you know, I'd, I was already thinking on dressage like, but he, he, he instilled those good values. You know, we had fantastic camps and we were lucky enough to go and see Franz Moringa because Murray was working at Oakland some, some of that time. Um, and, you know, I, I still think of Murray quite often. So he was, he was probably a catalyst, you know, in my my late teenage years when I was eventing all the time and 
you know, and he was he was around to pick up the pieces if anything went wrong. Um, but he also, you know, he instilled he instilled the training and the horse care, and you know, have your horse shot every six weeks, and you know that that everyday care. Yep. He really instilled. Um, so I, I guess I was I was very lucky to have him. Yes. And then, of course, you know, um, after I'd moved to Tasmania and sort of, you know, there was very little eventing here, so I went hunting for a while. And then we were lucky enough to have Glenna Shanley come over to a honeycup camp. Yep. Um, originally, with her husband to show Tasmanians how to break horses in. And Glennis has been my coach ever since, and she's now in her 80s. Um, you know, if I have a problem, even now, you know, I'll just pick up the phone and, and ask Glennis. Um, if it wasn't for Glennis, I certainly wouldn't have been able to sort the problems that I had with, with you know, difficult horses. Um, you know, we used to ride all sorts of horses. I've mainly ridden thoroughbreds. These days I've got, you know, mixed blood horses, Irish sport horses and Dutch warm bloods. Um, but, you know, I started off on thoroughbreds. They were horses off the track. Glennis had such a fantastic understanding and ability with every single type of horse that came along, um, you know, and through Glennis, I was lucky enough, you know, to go to Muno. Um, what what fantastic opportunities we had. And, and, you know, I think she, you know, as I said, starting off with Barry, because she said you started the ball rolling, that Glennis has certainly kept it going. And to this day, you know, we're very good friends. Um, and if I have an issue, I'll still ring her up. Yep, yep, yep. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I want you to think about both those coaches that you mentioned, Murray Wheatley and Glenna Shanley. Almost close your eyes and think, what do you think is there? Something they would say to you over and over again that you think every time, you know, you might ride and think, oh, that's right, I've got to do this, you know? <laughs> um, well, certainly certainly with, with Glenna, yeah. um, it would be, you know, make sure that I have the horse in the outside rein and, and soften the inside rein. Yes. Um, and I guess my hands have always been my biggest issue mm-hmm. as a rider. And so as a coach, that's probably the first thing I pick on um, if I'm looking <laughs> at students. Yes. Because that's my weakness. Yep. So I guess, you know, and I like my horses to be soft. Yep. So, you know, and, and liking that Southern European style of riding, mm-hmm. which Venice also does, I guess, you know, the hands, I'm very, very conscious mm-hmm. of where my hands are and the horse is, is, you know, is tracking up and is going in good rhythm and not running. Yep. So certainly that from Glenis. Mm-hmm. And with Murray, again, it was rhythm and yes. take time. Don't be in a hurry. You know, think about what you're doing. I guess the other thing, he always said, 
don't go out to work your horse with a time limit. Mm-hmm. If you have a time limit, you will run into strife. Yep. Yes, and if you've got all the day and all the time in the world, it doesn't take very long. That's right. And especially if you've got a young horse or a horse with a problem, you know, if you go out if you go out with a time, you can guarantee you'll run out of time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're not going to fix fix the problem. You know, always finish on a good note um, from both of them, of course, and that's something I like to teach my riders as well. You know, you mightn't be able to solve every problem, every lesson, but, yep. you know, try and finish on a good note for the horse's sake. Yes. Okay. What about the horse who you think's influenced you? Have you got a horse that you'd like to talk about? Probably the horse that taught me the most it was a, a grey horse called Adam Meekley, who was three-quarter thoroughbred and a quarter Arab. Just say his name. Um, What's his name? I got him as a four-year-old. Pardon me, please. That's good. Mm. And people used to see him competing, eventing, and you know he was he did a fairly good dressage test, and you know they'd come down to my place and they'd say, "Where's Pardon me, please?" And I'd say, "Um, see that grey horse over there in the paddock? Oh no, 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 that's not him, (laughs) because he looked very, very plain and very ordinary when you'd see him in the paddock. But when you rode him." He was a completely different horse, mm. but he was very, very smart. Yep. And, you know, when I first started going to Glenis, I had, you know, quite serious issues with the horse. You know, he'd stick his head on his chest and I wouldn't know how to fix it. And, you know, I can remember Glenis saying to me one day, oh, my God, Carol, you can see that straight. And I actually <laughs> got the horse in front of the vertical. Yes. <laughs> I've been driving it for ages and ages. So that sort of, it sticks out like a dog's hind leg and, and I, you know, and it was a long time ago, but that horse taught me so much. Good. You know, I had him, I competed him until he was 12 or 13. He came up in with some cancer in the parotid gland. Oh, and I thought, he? oh, you know, so, he's yeah. not going to keep going. Yes. So I passed him on to my daughter, Marinda, mm-hmm. and she took him to Pony Club, continued to keep going with him. She took him to trials. I used him for vaulting. He kept going until he was 22. Oh, wow. And, you know, wow. I sort of thought as a 12-year-old, yes. he's had it, mm. but he just kept on keeping on. And he was just, he was fantastic. Mm. You know, I can remember when we sort of retired him in the end when he was, was 20 and, you know, the cancer was huge lumps and he really couldn't flex and bend at all. It was quite yes. difficult, but he wasn't ready to be put down. We'd go off in the truck to go somewhere. And if he had half a chance, he'd come with us. Would he? You know, yeah. and yeah. he'd go up the drive with us and he would run up in that truck. Yep. And he would stop up there in the truck and he'd say, you know, you're not going to win money. <laughs> so and he was just, you know, he was a character, but he taught me so much, you know. And when I got things right, he would tell me straight away. Yeah. He was just super. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Oh, well, the proudest recent moment was only a couple of weeks ago on my last trip to China, yep. where China Pony Club actually awarded me a special contribution award for my work that I've done in China in the last two years. Mm-hmm. I had no idea whatsoever. One of the, the translators came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, Carol, they, you know, they'd like you on the stage. Yeah. And I said, but I've just been up there with the team. And they said, oh, no, 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 we want you up there again. So mm-hmm. up I go. And here's this beautiful map of China drops down onto the stage with lots of little red dots on it. Yeah. And the president of China Pony Club um, hands me this beautiful crystal horse head trophy yeah. um, 
for my contribution to working lovely? in China for the last two years. That's lovely. Totally unexpected, absolutely out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty amazing. But I think and if I go back, the the next proudest moment would have to be in Portugal with Muno. Yep. When I actually managed to get some some tempi changes without him yelling at me, <laughs> <laughs> which was absolutely marvellous. Yep. And he used to say to me, Carol, you tried too hard. You tried too hard. You must relax. And the girls, they could take you to this tonight. That's the disco. Yeah. Um, because I was always trying, you know, so very hard because I loved being there and I, I loved what I was doing and, and wanted to achieve so much. Yes. But in, in trying, of course, that sort of makes you a bit, bit stiff and a bit tense. And, you know, when I eventually got those, those tension changes, it was absolutely marvellous and that was just fantastic. And even now, if I'm if I'm having an issue with a horse, you know, I sort of put on Muno's tapes and think, ah, that's what he would have done. Yes. Um, so those two things, both, you know, the work in China um, and, you know, with Muno and Venice all those years ago would have to be my proudest moments. Mm. Okay, okay. I'm just thinking about, you know, your biggest challenge getting to where you are now, you know, where you sort of, you're able to contribute back. What do you think the biggest challenge is for professional horse people? I think having having confidence, having confidence in yourself when there is lots of change. Okay. Well, you've seen lots of change, so that's good. Oh, yes, lots and lots and lots of change. <laughs> yes. Um, some of the change has been good. You know, we've got some lovely bits that we can use nowadays that are certainly a lot softer and a lot kinder. You know, maybe than we had years ago. There's a lot more science in our riding. You know that we have access to that we didn't have years ago. Yeah. But horses are still horses, and you know I think they should be allowed to be horses. Just the change now is just so so rapid. Um, you know, with all of our system, you know, eventing has changed so much. Dressage has changed so much. You only have to look back in, in France's look and look at the photos of him riding Gay Pan mm. all those years ago yes. and compare what we're looking for in a dressage horse today. They're as different as chalk and cheese. Mm. Mm. So having the confidence in what you believe is right, I think sometimes it's very difficult to keep that confidence. And I know a couple of times I've sort of questioned maybe maybe I need to change and, and, you know, do what some of these other people are doing. And then I sort of think about it and I think, no, 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 no. I'm really quite happy doing what I do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that I ask of my horses are just the same things that I asked 30 years ago. Yes. With patience and with calmness and and with kindness. You know, we don't see that all the time now because everybody's in so much of a jolly hurry. Mm. Mm. that they forget that it takes time and, you know, it takes time for, to produce a horse. It takes time for the horse to have your confidence and, you know, to recognise where the horse is at because, of course, every horse is different. Yes. So yes. just having having the confidence to know where you're at and is this the track that you want to stay on? And I guess having had, you know, many years behind me, you know, there's been a few wavy lines, but I still keep on coming back to the same track and that's probably where I'll stay forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think then? You know, you've been in the industry a while. What do you think is the biggest positive change over the last 50 years? Um, the biggest positive change? I think some of the, the bridles that we have available mm-hmm. and 
some of the saddles that we now have saddles that that fit probably a lot better than they used to do. Yep. Um, when I think of probably a lot of the pain that some of our horses went through because we just used to throw on anything and just sort of say, you know, hey, go for it. Mm. Um, but now we look at, you know, the horse's confirmation and we have people that are specialists in that area. Yep. So I think, I guess, the, the fitting of the gear yep. to me is, is quite a big issue, you know, and especially we need to have saddles that do put the rider in the correct position. I think sometimes people sort of forget that because, you know, if you can't sit in the correct position, um, you know, you're pushing uphill. Yep. Um, yep. So that's everything has to sort of work together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you think about just a common fault that you see and think about the amount of people that you teach, what do you think is a common fault that people have when they ride? And how do you fix it? I think they're in too much of a hurry. Too much in a hurry for themselves to push up through the grades or too much in a hurry to push their horse through the grades? Is it for themselves, for their horses, when you say too much of a hurry? I think they want to push their horses up through the grades much too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Um, you know, they might see a picture of a, of a, of a horse and they think, oh, do this horse looks pretty, you know, it's, it's got its head in, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you hear people all the time, oh, I pull the horse's head in, pull the horse's head in, drives me spare. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't think about the back end and, no. you know, and think that this is where the powerhouse is. And that, I guess, to me, is the biggest issue is that people won't let the horse stretch over the back and, and get the horse going forward properly before the horse puts itself together. And anybody with half a brain knows that if you warm the horse up correctly, generally, the horse will start to put himself together anyway. Yep. You know, you don't really need to do that much. The horse will tell you when he's ready, mm-hmm. if you know what you're looking for. Yes. So yes. that to me is a big issue, you know, not letting the horse come through from behind. And I guess, you know, look at the confirmation of the horse because, you know, if the horse is built pretty upright, it might be hard for the horse to come through from behind. Um, if the horse is built a bit long, it may never track up. You know, if the horse is upright in the past, and you know, it can cause all sorts of difficulties. So, you know, people have to look at the confirmation and the movement of the horse just because you buy a horse that you think you're going to show jump, hey, it may not make a show jumper. Mm. Or if you're, if you're, you know, looking for a horse to event and it's terrified of water, well, sorry, you may have to go in another direction. Yes. So they've got to understand that the horse, every horse is an individual, the same as every person. Yes, yes. Interesting, yes. Yeah. yeah. I like the way that you said the horse tell you when they're ready for the next step because it is it's about the communication and listening to the horse that they're going to tell you that. Absolutely. Yeah. Communication is just so important. And not just when you're riding. You know, when you're grooming the horse, when you're catching the horse, when you're floating the horse, everything that you do with the horse, you, you know, is, is communication and it's liaison. Mm. It doesn't matter, you know, and it's the same with a, with a dog or a cat. Yes. Um, you know, it, that communication is so important. It's like I said before, you know, I, I drive in the driveway and my big horse especially, he knows my car. Yeah. You know, I drive in the drive and if he's in the front paddock, the head goes up and he's only been out there opening the gate. Yeah. He says, oh, here comes mum. Mm, mm, you know? Mm. So to have that that lovely rapport is just so important. Yes. You know, lots of kids, you know, they, they have a horse and, and they go to pony club and, you know, I ask the older riders, you know, to, to tell me about their horse. 
And I'm surprised sometimes when they say, I hate my horse. Whoa. And it was amazed, yeah. amazed how many teenagers will tell me that, and I, I think it's awful. Do you think they say that just to be cruel? I'm, I'm not really sure, but what I usually say to them, Bennett, is if you don't like this horse, sell it and get another one. Mm. Because if they don't like the horse, they're never going to get the best out of it. And it's usually, I don't, you know, it's usually the older riders that I ask, um, you know, the older teenagers, not the younger ones, because I'm interested in their thought process and what they think. Um, and sometimes when I watch them riding, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, you know, geez, I don't know what's going on. And they tell me that they, they hate the horse. And you're amazed how many teenagers tell me they hate their horse. And I sort of think, why on earth is there? Um, and it's just a matter of steering them in the right direction. If they don't like the horse, they're better off without it. Yeah. And yeah. give it to somebody else that will get the most out of it. Well, the horse is better off without it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes it can be as simple as the horse doesn't suit that particular rider. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that they don't like horses and that they don't want to continue riding, but the horse is just not suitable for them as a person. Mm. It's a bit the same as some people have chihuahuas and some people have ridgebacks. Sure. Some people like small ponies. Some people like Clyde crosses. Mm. You know, we're all different. We all have different wants and needs. So it's just a matter of discreetly trying to sort it. But I remember the first time I started asking riders and I was so shocked. It really it set me back at first because they were so honest. Mm. And I thought, oh, my goodness me, you know, how am I going to answer this? So I do, I do ask this question on a regular basis and then try and steer the situation around so that, you know, we can find out why mm. they don't like the horse. It may be something as simple as, as something that the horse is doing that they don't like in their riding and it, it might be sorted very quickly. But it, it may be that they simply don't get on with the horse. And if they don't get on with the horse, they'd be better off to send that horse to somebody that does get on with it yep. and find themselves something that will suit them. Yes. Yes. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Do you find the younger ones will say some things more positive? I'm just wondering about peer pressure, because if you're asking people in front of their peers, they've just got to say something a bit cool. You know, something a bit different, a bit yeah. shocking. Is it the younger ones like their horses better and the older ones just say that just to be cool? I think certainly the younger ones just love their horse full stop, um, yes. you know, because I think they're a little bit more open mentally and, you know, especially sort of probably up to 14 years of age. Mm-hmm. You know, they really love their horses. I mean, you know, quite often when they grow out of their horses and their parents say, oh, you know, you'll have to sell you know, your small pony oh, before yes. I can give you something bigger. And yeah. they say, oh, no, 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 Because the parents might not be able to keep two horses. Sure. You know, yeah. and yeah. of course it's always best if they can get the second one and, and then swap over slowly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for those riders, they just absolutely love their, their horses or their ponies, mm-hmm. yeah. which is absolutely yeah. marvellous, you know, and, and if they were all like that, it would be super. Yes. It does yeah. seem to be that, you know, once they get to 14, and peer pressure certainly does have a bit to do with it with some of them, um, especially if, if they've got a horse that they might, you know, say, oh, well, you know, I'd like to go to grade two trials and maybe, you know, it's an older horse and yeah, maybe yeah, it's never yeah. going to do it. And, yeah. 
their best mate at schools, you know, sure. just got a whiz and really expensive horse that mm. a schoolmaster and, and does it all with their eyes closed. Mm. Yes, that can certainly be, uh, you know, a difficult situation. Not always a situation, but that certainly can happen. Yeah. So yeah. I think you've just got to, you know, work through the process and just, you know, just sort of see what the real issue is. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, Carol, what about a book? Have you got a book that you think has given you some positive change, uh, something that you'd like to recommend? Oh, and Franz Marie, what is amazing? My favourite book, um, I don't know how many times I've lent it, Yes. <laughs> it's, mine's got lots of green highlighter through it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, because especially if I'm, I'm teaching somebody and they have an issue and they happen to be a read-write learner rather than a visual learner, yeah. I just sort of say, here, take this, turn to this page and read the pieces that I've highlighted. Yeah. So definitely my favourite book, um, you know, I think I've read it inside out, you know, from cover to cover yeah. about a million times and, yes. you know, um, Franz was just absolutely marvellous for our country. I'm very lucky that he came here. Yeah, yeah. That's certainly one of our more popular books, that one. Yeah. That's good. What are you looking forward to now? You know, next year, five years, just tell us what you're, what you're doing, what you're looking forward to. Well, I've actually, I've, I've got um, a nine-year-old that has sort of killed on injuring himself because yep. some horses do. Yes. Only minor injuries, but I would really like to get back on him. He's a bit he's a bit big for what I would really prefer. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't stop growing, so he's about seventeen <laughs> too. But my my goal at the moment is to um to get back on him, you know, not necessarily to compete, but just to, to get out and, and have some, some fun yep. on him in between a couple of trips, you know, coming up to China as yep. well. Uh-huh. Um but my my main goal is to is to get back on, on Pepsi because he's yep. just lovely. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's always nice, isn't it? You know, I talk to people about, you know, what are you looking forward to? They go, oh, I'm more of the same. I'm already living my dream life, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to give up. And, um, you know, my husband sort of, as I said, he calls it a disease. <laughs> and I keep on saying, well, I'm, I'm not looking up at the lid yet. Yes, um, yes. So, you know, while I can still keep going, I do. You yeah. know, not necessarily competing, but I'm, of course, you know, look at competition all the time. Yes. Um, but, you know, as long as I can keep on going, you know, even if it's just trail riding and, and I love going down the beach. Yep. So, you know, it's uh, if I can just keep on doing that as long as I can, um, I'm quite happy. Good, good. Now, would you be able to summarise your philosophy with horses just into a sentence or two? How would you say? Um, I think it's really important to love your horse mm-hmm. and to take time with them and to have an open mind. I think that's really, really important to be to be open-minded. Yes. But love your horse and, and look after it. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Carol, how can people contact you? Um, I'm available um, on Facebook or email. Yes. And on the EA Coaches page, I'm listed there, and the Pony Club Coaches page as well. So um, I'm, I'm quite happy to, for people to, to contact me. Okay, and we'll put those details on Horse Chats as well. So they'll be horsechats.com slash Carol Hobson or go to horsechats.com, search for Carol, search for Hobson or search for Carol Hobson. <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, thank you for talking to us today. Um, it's been good listening to your journey and listening to all the changes and um Yeah, just hearing about what you're doing and hopefully we'll catch up again with you sometime soon. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.